Well, this morning we are going to start our brand new, well, it's not brand new, it's actually week two, and we're, well, uh, you are getting that moved, aren't you guys? Thank you. We're excited about getting into week two. If you want to catch up, you can go online and catch up from last week about five best decisions you'll ever make, and today is one that's really incredibly uh, powerful to our lives, but we refuse to settle for less than God's best, and you'll see why I'm really excited about this. Today, I'm going to be coming from a familiar passage to those that have known Christ, followed Christ, carnal, lost. I I remember even as a non-Christ follower, I met Christ at 19 at Troy University. I remember hearing this story, and I love this story as a kid. I love it today as an adult. I think I'll love it when I'm a grandfather and when I'm old and weepy or whatever. The story of David and Goliath. Does anybody else love that story just tremendously? Man, that is truth from the Word of God in your life. You mean I came to this service to hear about David and Goliath and my prayer is that the Spirit of God is going to take His Word as He does every time we gather in Jesus' name and He's going to enlighten you and show you some things maybe you did not know or things you need to be reminded of or to encourage you to get in this game called following Jesus Christ and and pursuing Him. We talked about destiny last weekend and following Christ and making good decisions on how to do that and maybe we're following Christ or we're not in our finances or our families or our professions, or wherever we find ourselves. So today we're going to just continue. But some decisions are just not that big. Like, uh, I mean, you know, decisions are important. Some have eternal significance and some really don't. Like, let me give you one. Should I go to Starbucks? Should I go to Village Coffee? I mean, that was probably not going to change your life. Now, it could if you were sharing Christ at the coffee shop. I'll give you that one, okay? But one of those, or like, should I go to Burger King or should I go to McDonald's? Uh, which one? Well, I'd say go to Chick-fil-A, but it's not open today. But what I'm saying is those decisions are, are just not going to upset or, or change the world. But there's other decisions. They're going to change you. They're going to change your family. They're going to change your uh, in, circle of influence. They're going to change your campus. They're going to change uh, your family. They're going to change our church. This whole decision to follow Christ in a capital campaign I've already had people coming to me go, man, we are so excited about what the Spirit of God has already begun to do in us, and we haven't even really started yet. And I hope you all will feel that way as we get into it. But the most important leadership lesson I could probably teach you, and I love leadership. You can go to my office, and I have rows and rows and shelves of books. I love to read leadership. I love to practice leadership. I love to learn about leadership. But there, this is the greatest leadership. Get ready to write this down. Ready? Write this down. Get your worship guide. Or take the one from the person next to you if you didn't get one, and write this down. Three words, never, ever settle, never, ever settle, just don't settle. Say, I choose to be a person that will not settle for less than God's best. I choose not to be a person of mediocrity and just kind of giving God the leftovers. Um, I think about my wife. As we partnered to raise our girls, that's one of the things she's always instilled in them. Girls, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for less than God's best. Don't do that. We only have one life to live. Live it to the fullest. I mean, if you thought about that, God only gave you one precious gift of life. And this is it. What are you making with it? Are you living it for the glory of the king? Are you living it for yourself and you're self-absorbed? But you got one life. Yesterday... I love history. And yesterday I was studying and doing some things, and then we had something to do for the afternoon. And I was trying to wrap that up. But I turned on television, and I wanted to watch some of this of Senator Ted Kennedy. 
Now, whether you agree or disagree with his political views and a lot of things, and we can talk about that until Jesus comes, but that's not my job. But I learned some interesting things. And as I listened to his two boys, or I heard one and I missed the next one, but I like what Teddy, his son, said. He says, at the age of 12, my leg was amputated because of cancer. Life was hard. I could hardly get along. And being in that part of the country where snow is everywhere, we were going up this steep bank one day, and I slipped and fell and couldn't hardly get up. My dad came to me, and he said his strong, tenderly self picked me up, and he embraced me and said, Teddy, let's get up and walk. He goes, Dad, I can't do it. He said, oh, yes, we can together. And if we have to stay here all day, we are going to do this together. And I'm going to tell you, folks, we fall and stumble. And there's people in the church even that will spit at you and they'll name and they'll be your critics. But it's time for the church to come alongside and say, let me help you up. Let's get up, friend, and let's walk a little farther. Amen? I ain't got time for this. Well, you know, let's just criticize them. Let's just do this. How many of you have ever stumbled? and fallen hello man you've stumbled in marriage you've stumbled in relationships you've stumbled with ethics you've stumbled with this well here's the good news i had a man after last service i preached my heart out i'm gonna do it again he came up to me he found a passage in second peter this week and he was troubled he said pastor can i come back to god have i been so bad that God won't receive me? And I emphatically said, no. As long as you draw breath, you can come back to Jesus. Isn't that great news? And just to encourage his soul. And he walked out of here. He's not a little guy either. He was kind of skipping. He was happy. Because he knew, man, that Christ had something for him. Because I told him, as I'm telling you, refuse to settle for less than God's best. You know, some of you, a lot of your guests today, I'm just going to tell you, uh, I don't just always give rhetorical questions. Sometimes you can participate. And if, yes, and if you don't know, just go ahead and say it. And, and if it's awkward, I'll just call you out. Don't worry about it. No. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, one of my favorite passages to pray from the Word of God, says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, our God says, I want to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you ask. I am the more God and call to me for more and I can do more. My life is filled with wanting more. I want more out of life. I want more out of our church. I want more out of my faith. I want my faith to activate the potential of the living, resurrected Christ. He is alive and he's powerful and he reigns here this morning, church. Does he reign in your heart? Refuse to settle for less. Benefits of experiencing God's best. Get ready to write. Ready? God is honored when we choose to live for his best. God is exalted. God is crowned. When I say, God, be honored, be glorified. We use that word a lot, glory. Glorify him. Elevate the worth of the one that is worthy. And you know, when we give glory to God, let me just tell you, when we go after God, when we pursue God, and He's elevated, He's given glory, He's complimented. He's affirmed. He's celebrated. He's worshipped. He likes it. How many of you like it when somebody celebrates and worships or, or likes what you do? Anybody like that besides me? Do you like for people to celebrate you? you like, no, I just like for people to criticize me. 
then you're sick. You need help. I love it when people want to affirm things you do. And our God, our Creator, He loves to be worshipped. In 1 Samuel, if you open your Bibles today, we're coming from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. I'm going to run all through it, so it'll be hard to follow it. So you can go and you can read 1 Samuel 17 this afternoon, this evening. But as we look at that, 1 Samuel 17, 46 says, This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and the whole world will know there is a God. I love that passage of Scripture. So here it is. God is honored when we worship, when we give glory. Number two, I am blessed. I am fulfilled in my life when I give glory to God, and when I pursue Him, I'm blessed. I'm the recipient of the blessing of the Most High God. And Saul, he sent David to do some things. And the, and the Bible says that David was successful in that which he gave him, David, to do. And he promoted him. He raised him in the rank of the army. And the Bible says the officers of King Saul were happy. You know why? David was a man of integrity. David was a man of substance and character. And he must have cared for people deeply. And they were fulfilled and they were blessed. Have you ever... I've never met anyone that went for God's best, that regretted it. But I've met plenty of people that chose not to pursue God's best in life and they regretted it for weeks, months, years, maybe the entire rest of their life. But if you go after God's best, it's okay. Let me say this to you. We have a lot of students in the house. Students, adults, do not settle for God's best in dating relationships. And the church said, I mean, let me tell you, you are kings and queens, men and women. And you want God's best, and you don't want to settle for something. Just don't settle. It's not the life of a kid or child of the king. God wants you to have great things. And he wants to bless you and fulfill your life and give you the desires of your heart. And he wants to fulfill you. And he wants to get underneath the desire, the real heart behind your desire. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the ways of the Lord God Almighty. Have you delighted yourself in God lately? Delight in him. He is the one I meditate upon. His precepts, His commandments, His word. I love Him. I worship Him in spirit and in truth. I won't settle. Third, people are encouraged and inspired when you go for God's best. Somehow they're elevated. They're, they're pushed. They're pushed forward. There's a surge. There's something that happens in their life. And the Bible says, 1 Samuel 17, 52, Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines. They conquered. They were victorious. They went for what God had. They, they went after God's best because their message, their life, their witness mattered to God. I tell you that in a lot of ways. Your life matters. Your witness matters. Your own observation. People are watching. I get to do something amazing every day called Serve Christ Community Church. It's an amazing work, an amazing group of people. But I don't want to settle. Now, look at the middle of the page. How do you miss God's best for your life? You focus on the problem. The problem becomes obsessive. The problem becomes front and center. The problem gets bigger and bigger. And you're just like, man, it's just so many problems. Problem's so big. The disease is so big. The situation at work is so horrible. The relationship, the university studies, the professor's so freaked out. The professor's this, that. I mean, you just, we just we obsess. But 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4 through 10, I want you to listen to God's word. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and he was over nine feet tall. Let's stop there. That is incredibly wicked. Nine foot tall. Some have even said he was nine foot nine. Whew, what a basketball player he would have been. Okay, here we go. 
He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale, an armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. His iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight each other. Let me summarize that for you in one word. Arrogance. He was full of himself. Now, I guess if you're nine foot tall, there is maybe a reason to believe why you get full of yourself. Have you ever made people full of themselves? They usually kind of go somewhere else. And the Bible says that he terrified the people. He frightened the people. They grew in fright, one translation says. They feared him because they saw Goliath as the problem. Hey, Earl, if you got that water, would you come to me wherever you are anyway? I just thought I'd throw that out. So, so here it is. There's a, so there's an opportunity. Thank you, Jake. So there's an opportunity here to be paralyzed by the problem. And I don't know about you, but what problem paralyzes you? You're saying, no, it ain't no nine-foot giant. I mean, guys, Shaq is even little compared to this guy, okay? And Shaq would be a little scary if he showed up. So there's fear. Let's build off the word fear. The F is focused on the problem. Let's go with the E. Expectation of defeat. You just think defeat is going to be it. Now, some of you just expect defeat when you wake up. You expect defeat when you come into a situation. You expect defeat when you purpose to live for Christ, much less if you're being carnal and you're not pursuing God. And and this expectation, on hearing Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I call them they were Christian Eeyores. Well... Never been that bad before. Yeah, it's always going to be bad. I don't have time for that. How about you? Well, you know that class. You know that person. You you know how the people are at that church. Yeah. I don't know and don't want to know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God wants us to overcome. Expectation of defeat. Well, I think I'm going to fail that class if I take it. I've already taken it three times. Well, you probably need to get help. You need a tutor. But don't just go in. Well, I expect our marriage to be horrible. If that's your expectation when you wake up, I bet your marriage is like, Joy, it's fun being married to you. Nobody say amen because maybe some of y'all are in that situation. Third thing, attitude is self-protection, self-preservation. Anytime you're worried about just protecting yourself and you're not worried about the glory of the king, things can get kind of bad. It's an, it's an internal attitude. You're, you're not committed to the cause. You're not committed to freedom. You're not committed to families. You're not committed to the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they went and they hid in their tent for 40 days shaken. They were terrified. Goliath had them on the run. Goliath was mighty. Goliath was powerful. They all ran in great fear. If you're running from your problem this morning... You're going to be defeated. You won't overcome. And my Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So does yours. Is Christ great in you that he reigns and rules victoriously and you can conquer the situation? Does he? Not very convincingly. Response is, the R, you run from this problem. You just take off running in abandonment. Or these circumstances are just too difficult, Pastor. You, you just don't understand. My circumstance is this. My circumstance is that. Let me tell you, I can fill books full of circumstances that get presented to me and to you every week. 
and you came in here with a set of circumstances, you're going to leave here with the same circumstances. But I pray that God does a defining work of the Holy Spirit that He rearranges and changes your heart and gives you courage and He gives you faith in the unbelievable redemptive potential of Christ Jesus working in you outside. That's awesome. You're saying, well, man, you mean I can be different? Does that mean you're still going to be sick? Does that mean you're still going to have challenges? Absolutely. But you can overcome. They all ran from him in great fear. But let's look at how to experience God's best. I don't want to be about his, uh, you know, missing out his best. Some of you are like, I already know about expectation defeat and bad attitude. Well, how do I get his best? Well, there's a passage I want you to turn over a page in your Bible. If you flip to 1 Samuel 17, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, there's a key verse, and I'd encourage you to underline it. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, he looks at the heart. He looks at the internal working core fiber of our being. He looks at that inner character core of man or woman. And he says, that's what I look at. That's what I'm judging, the, uh, the thoughts, the heart of man, of woman. And the F, next, follow down the grid, is focus on a positive faith. Focus on, I didn't say focus on positive thinking. You know what I think about positive thinking. Focus on a God that has potential, that has power, the evidence of things unseen, the incredible power and beauty and majesty of God. Goliath had positive thinking. He was full of himself. But I think David would say, but my faith is positive because it's in the God that cannot be defied, the God that is Lord of Israel, the Lord of the world. And Goliath is shouting for his defiance and he's coming against him and there are all the people running in fear. And David just goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this big, loud mouth giant? The whole difference there is that David had a different focus. He had a, a faith in God Jehovah. Do we have a faith in Jesus Christ? The E is we expect God's help and his blessing. Are you expecting God to come to your rescue? Are you expecting God to come to your aid this morning in your given situation? Well, I, I don't know if he can. Sure he can. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He is God. And I love what the Scripture says in 1 Samuel seventeen forty-seven. All those gathered there will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For this battle is the Lord's, and he will give it all into your hands. And I remember the first time I found that years and years ago, I thought, God, this is so awesome. This battle is really about you. This battle is yours, Jesus. And we give it over to him. Our only problem is we tend to take the battle back from him in our own strength, in our own might, in our own power, and we lose incredibly every time. And God says, this battle is mine. So whatever battle you're fighting today, it's not a nine-foot giant, but it's like a nine-foot giant in your life. Have you given it to Jesus? Have you left it with Jesus? Have you trusted Christ? Lord, I wait on you because when I wait on you, you said you would clothe me with power from on high. Now, I want to give you something in verse 40. I want you to look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. Look down there. In verse 40, it says, David here, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Now, we always hear about those five stones and we always wonder and and I want to submit to you maybe five things these stones are. This is not in your notes. You just need to write it on the side. But I think it could help you for a rainy day. It could help you for a storm. It could help you for life. Number one, the stone of the past. He picked up the stone, and I think he would say, this is the stone of the past. 
And David would say, I remembered when I fought the lion and the bear, and God granted me victory. So I remember the God of my fathers. I remember the God that delivered me in the past, and I trust that he will do it again. So I hold the stone of the past. And it's good to deal with your past. It's good to remember the past because we know where we came from. The second one is a stone of prayer. He was there in the Elium Valley, and he had developed a prayer life. He'd had intercession and journey, and he would sit up there, and he would worship God, and he would sit up there with his sheep. And, you know, he didn't have a, a, the river radio station to play music to the sheep, and he would have had the sanctified sheep of Israel. He would play his harp, and he would sing over those sheep, and he would sing the Psalms. Matter of fact, I was in Troy with my wife the other night. We got a lot of Troy students here. Y'all give it up, Troy. There we go. We were there that night for a big worship. Glory revealed with Mac Powell and Trevor and all them. It was incredible just to see the faithfulness of God and what he's doing here. And, uh, you know, I just go, man, this, this, this prayer thing, this guy had developed a prayer life. Let me get the third one. The stone of priority. See, David had said, I will make the priority, the reputation of my God, the priority of my life. And my God will not suffer loss as I live life and draw breath from Jehovah. I will worship him. And some uncircumcised, wicked, nine-foot, ugly-looking, talk-about-your-mama, Philistine is not going to win. I'm going to overcome him. Because my God is great. My God is powerful. My God is working in me through the power of the Spirit. So, stone of priority. The next one is the stone of passion. I love this stone. He picks up this stone. You know what David does? David runs toward the enemy. With passionate pursuit, he goes for God. He's not like chicken. He's going for it. He's pursuing it with all the energy that works in him so powerfully. And I ask us, when our giant's there, what do we do? Do we turn? Do we run in fear and paralysis? Or do we run toward the enemy and say, you will not defy my God. And the fifth one is the stone of persistence. David never gives up. He had learned that as a shepherd boy. He learned it as he faced the giant, as he defied Goliath. And he didn't take him, and he took him down eventually. The next A is attitude. You decide to make an, ad, an impact. I want to have an impact with my life. Uh, I'm going to be victorious in my God. For this battle is the Lord's, as we just talked about a moment ago. But here's this guy, he's nine foot nine. They say his uh, equipment weighed somewhere between 175 and 200 pounds. His spear, the, the shaft of it, weighed like 17 to 20 pounds. I mean, David, can I just tell you, David is the son of Jesse, the little boy from Bethlehem. And David's a little guy. Goliath's like a giant. And he comes up, I mean, like his equipment weighed more than David did. But David wasn't scared. Because David didn't focus on the problem. He didn't focus on the giant. He focused on God. And he said, God, you are strong. There is a God in Israel, and I know him. He is God. And I love him, and you will not defy his name, giant, and I will come against you. But I want you to look in the box. There's only one compelling reason, reason for David to charge after Goliath. One reason. His commitment to God's cause was so much greater than his personal comfort. He was committed to the cause of the kingdom, the eternal laws of God, and to worshiping God more than saying, well, it's all about me. It's all about my personal comfort over here. And, you know, I got into thinking about it. I'm not even sure that it was so good in his personal comfort. The Bible says that David had eight brothers, and his eight brothers picked on him. 
They even picked on him for being there. You know, anybody ever have a brother that picked on you the size of me? So it's like, well, you know, this ain't really the best place to be. I, I want to be somewhere else. I mean, you know, this picking on me, I'd, I'd rather do something else. And yet God calls him out that it's an insurmountable task. But God says, uh, with God, all things are possible to those who believe. And David really believed God. And he says, God, I'm going to run toward him. I'm going to pursue him. So he has this internal fortitude attitude to serve God. Joshua 24, 15, we looked at last weekend. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. David served the purposes of God in his kingdom. Now, David's not perfect. David had Uriah killed and he slept with Bathsheba and all the sins and murder and cover up and lie and deceit. So David is not perfect. But David knows what it is to repent. David knows what it is to know God. David pursues God with a whole heart. And when I come into the eternal kingdom, I really look forward to meeting King David. Does anybody else look forward to meeting David besides me? I want to stand before a warrior that stood before the giant, that stood before the people that loved the Lord God. And God said one day, David, you're a man after my heart, son. I love you. You know, I've just thought about it. Could God say that about you? Daughter, you're a daughter after my heart. You're a daughter of the Most High King. You're a daughter of joy. Son, you're a son. You're, you're a Timothy. You're a Paul. You're great in the faith. You seek and you want my heart in all things. David's a pretty magnificent man. The R is response. Run toward your destiny. David knew that he had to be victorious in God and he, he ran to that which God had called him and he ran at it with all his heart and he pursued it. And in 1 Samuel 17, 48, it says, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Did you notice that? David ran quickly. He didn't hesitate. He attacked. He was in attack mode. A lot of times, man, we're in sin or we're in a, we're in a situation and we're fighting uh, the enemies of our life. And, man, we try to run the other way. And God's like, no, run to me. Run toward the enemy in the strength of the Lord. That's why every day I have to put on the armor when I get up. It's one of the first acts I do is to put on the armor of the Lord God Almighty because I know there is a battle awaiting me and there's a battle awaiting you. And to be a Christ follower is to be strong. And to be a Christ follower is to be in war and to be in conflict. Would you agree with me, church? It's hard living for Christ. And it's getting increasingly harder because people are coming against the righteousness of Christ. They're coming against morality. But i got to tell you, God wins every time. He's God. Here's one. I like this. You will never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. You won't possess what you're not willing to pursue. If, if you're saying, well, pastor, I want to be a great Bible study student. Okay. How much you been reading? How much you been studying? Well, I don't, but I want to be filled with Bible knowledge. And I want them to call me Bible man when I walk in and Bible girl. It ain't going to happen. They're going to call you spiritual midget. But, and other things that are probably not very glorifying, but they're not going to call you. You're saying, but I want to be a prayer warrior. How much time do you spend in prayer? I want to have my prayers answered. Do you pray a lot? Well, no, but I want to be known as a prayer warrior. you got to pursue it. I want to be known as a great athlete. How much time are you spent developing your, your uh, athleticism and your, and your gift? Well, you know, oh, we've got a basketball player over here. Where's she at? I just saw her, my friend. There she is. You know, I bet Coach Davis just works off. You know what he told me one time? I love this. Coach Davis, I love Dan. He says, Keith, he says, I have the greatest job. I said, no, Dan, I do. He says, no, I do. I said, Dan, hush, I do. He says, no, I do. He says, he says the only guy I know that I get paid for yelling at girls. And, it, and, and he yells too, doesn't he? Because I've watched it. I've watched him in fourth quarter. He's, 
you know, he just loses it. But he's fun. And I know he cares about y'all deeply. So he's not here today, is he? So tell him we picked on him bad. Okay. Pursue God. What You won't possess if you're not willing to pursue it. If you're willing to pursue the kingdom, you're going to possess it. Are you pursuing the kingdom? I want a great marriage. Well, you got to work at it. You know, you say, well, I said my vows to God and one another, and I'll tell her again that I love her if it changes. Duh. You ain't going to be married very long. You know, so you walk in with circumstances, you walk out differently. I pray with the fiber, with the ministry of the Spirit. But the thing I want to move you to quickly is what does David not focus on? Now, this is not in your notes. You can just write it down. I think this is good. What does David not focus on? He doesn't focus on this. He doesn't focus on the size of his problem. Because the problem's mighty. It's overwhelming. It's incomprehensible. But David is too much of a man of faith to focus on that. So he focuses on God. And 1 Samuel 17, 26 says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, dude, I ain't focusing on you. I'm going to focus on Jehovah. I'm going to take you for lunch, brother. You're going down. The second thing is negative thinking from the critics surrounding him. He's not going to focus on the naysayers. He's not going to focus on those that are against him. In the Bible there in 17, 28, and 30, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with men, he burned with anger to him and asked, Why have you come down here, boy? And with, It doesn't say boy, but just hang with me, okay? Give me a little license. And with whom did you leave these few sheep in the desert? See, now he's picking on him. Why did you come down here, boy? And you just go up and take care of them sheep. Now, we don't know how many sheep he had. I think he probably had a lot of sheep, but he's being condescending. Does anybody ever know anybody that's condescending when they're being critical of you? Hello. Okay. He says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. He don't know. And you came only down to watch the battle, David boy. That's all you want to do is watch the battle. you just a little wimp. You see, he's the eighth son of Jesse, and he's the smallest in the litter. Well, no, that'd be puppies. But anyway, he's, he's the smallest kid, okay? But yet he's the only one that has courage. He's the only one that has faith. And it says, now what have I done? Said David, can I even speak? And then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. See, when you pursue, hear this, when you pursue God, somebody's going to get unhappy with you. Mm, I got to say that again. When you pursue God, somebody's going to get unhappy. Let me tell you why. It's called the spirit of conviction. Because they don't want to change. And your life reflects the glory of Jesus. But what David does focus on. Here's the positive. Write this down. It's critical. What does David focus on? He focuses on some critical things. He focuses on future rewards. And I know that because 1 Samuel 17, 26 says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man that kills this Philistine? So he's, he's just asking a question. They're like, first of all, you'll get slaughtered by this giant. He said, no, I want to know what's going to be done. You know, and when God calls us to Christ, he, gives, he promises us future rewards in heaven that we lay crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ. God will reward those today that are faithful to Christ. And in this situation, you're saying, David, here, I'm going to reward you. Future rewards. God, the Bible says God rewards those that diligently seek after him. If you're diligent this morning in your seeking, you will be rewarded, says the word of God. And the second one is God's past faithfulness. But David says to Saul... Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. In other words, David just goes, my God's faithful. 
He's been faithful when I was a shepherd out on the field. He delivered me from the lion and the bear and all kind of other people. He'll deliver me from the giant. He'll deliver me from the other situation because he is great and he is mighty. And you will not defy him, devil. You will not defy him, Goliath. He is God. I will focus on him and his past faithfulness. But how to miss God's best for your life. Now, this is a passage from Genesis. I want anybody to write this down because this is one of the most disturbing verses I've ever seen. Genesis 11, verse 27 and 31 and 32. Listen to the word of God. This is the account of Terah. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson, Lot's son of Aaron, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, and the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out for Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, the Bible says, and I want you to underline this if you flip there, the Bible says when they came to Haran, they settled there. And as they settled, Terah lived 205 years, and then he died in Haran. He settled. And he never crossed over to the promised land. Well, this morning, some of you have chosen to settle where you're at. And God wants to move you to a new place. Don't settle in mediocrity. Don't settle in carnality. Don't settle in half with Jesus and half not. Give a full heart devotion to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, right now, as we bow our heads... I know there'll be men right now and women over at the crosses and maybe people need to go over there and do business with you and give their hearts to a resurrected king. This Christ who I call out to, this Jesus, my Lord, he longs to save you even right now. He longs to to change your life. He longs to do something significant in you. Will you call upon him in humble faith? Will you shut the other things out of your life this morning? Will you get still and decide to go for God's best in your life? Do not settle. Do not um, settle for mediocrity today. Go for more. Determine in your heart that I will be a child of the King. I will follow Christ. I will live for Christ. In Christ I stand. Hallelujah. Right now, would you call it to Jesus? If you need salvation, just cry out to Jesus. Jesus Christ, save me. Change me. Come into my life. Invade me. I yield to you today. If you made that commitment, if you just slide quietly over to one of the side crosses, there'll be people there that'll share with you and pray with you. And other people today need to go over there right now and they need to uh, refuse to settle for less. Refuse to say, no, I'm not settling. I want more. I want more out of my journey with Christ. So right now, can some of you just slide over to the crosses? You're young or old, just begin to move. I'm going to let it breathe right there. God, bring conviction, bring change. Move people out right now to these sides. I want another act. I want all the Troy students to come right now to the front. I want you all to come quickly. I want to do something with you all. It's God's meeting with people at the crosses. These are students from my alma mater from Hannah's school. And I can't talk a lot about it, but I want to tell you something. I've been praying for them for one year. And all I can tell you is, y'all come all the way across the front. Just stand across. That's pretty amazing. They drove in the rain this morning just to worship. They want us to pray for them and over them. And we're looking at a partnership. We don't even know what all that looks like right now. We're just asking God for more. But these university students want to represent Jesus Christ on their campus. They refuse to settle no more. Can you put your hands together and thank God for that?
Can some of you right now get out of your chairs and just go up and pray over some of these students? Kim, that's right. Many of you, women, men, just begin to go and put your hands on these students. I'm so excited that men and women still want to make a difference. They want their university not to be known for sin and debauchery. They want it to be known for righteousness and for Christ being exalted. That's right, Jason. Begin to pray. And Rachel and Jeremy and different ones. The rest of you, stick your hands out. Give us clean hands. Give us clean hands, God. Move on these men and women. Pray, church. Let's storm heaven. Let's believe God for more. God, bust these walls out. Get us beyond these walls, Christ Jesus. We want more. More of your glory. More of you, Jesus. More, God. Stand to your feet, church. Sing this song with Adam. Pray. Seek your face. Oh God of Jacob, oh God, oh God, let us be a generation that sees, seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, we bow our hearts. We bend our knee. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, cast down. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be a generation that sees, who seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob. Oh, God, let us be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face, oh, God of Jacob. I don't know about you, church, but I've been in the presence of God this morning. How about you? I'm going to put my hands together. I'm going to out shout the rocks, and I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. You don't realize this is where it all started for me. 31 years ago on a college campus, I met the Lord Jesus Christ. So to have college students from my university just blows me away. And to know that they want to start a service in Troy that kind of looks like what we're doing here. And they want to come for inspiration and encouragement. Would you pray for the body of Troy that God would do something and move in our midst? Amen. Hey, I don't know if it's raining outside. I don't care. I've been in this house. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you again real soon. Bless you.